529, 45 seconds a.m. on the morning of July 16th, 1945. The world's understanding of what power is would be forever changed. It happened over the skies of New Mexico as the sun had not yet risen, but the sky began to glow brilliant hues of yellow and then orange and then reds and then blues as an atomic fireball spread at the rate of 350 feet per second and rose to the level of about 30,000 feet in what we now know as a mushroom cloud. All that was left at the blast site was an intense heat and simply green radioactive glass because the amount of power had destroyed and melted and consumed everything that was in its path. 21 days later, that same power was harnessed in the form of a bomb, a bomb that we know now simply as little boy. And that bomb was flown toward Japan, put in one of our B-29 bomber planes, and dropped on Hiroshima. Robert Lewis, the co-pilot of the Enola Gay, simply said, What have we just done? The cockpit flew on in silence. Six years later, the sky of Arco, Idaho, this time lit up, again with the same nuclear power, but this time there was no mushroom cloud, there was no explosion that rumbled in the sky, there was no heat or energy that melted the sand in the ground. This time, it simply lit up a strand of light bulbs with nuclear energy. The same nuclear energy. The same reactors, approximately the same chemical process. And today, about a fifth of our power in our culture today comes from nuclear energy. Now, if you're wondering if you came for an energy talk today, you did not. But isn't it amazing that the very same power that can completely annihilate a civilization and destroy lives is the same power when used in the right way that can bring hope, can bring electricity, can bring power, can power hospitals and schools and houses. Isn't it amazing that the same power that can be used to bring instant pain, death, and sorrow can also bring light and can bring life. James today, as we continue in our series, Me in Five Years, looking at the book of James, he wants to harness this power. You may be thinking, I don't think they talked about nuclear energy in the Bible and in the book of James. They didn't. But what James is going to say is, I'm going to talk about something just as powerful. And if you'll remember, as we've gone through the book of James, he's writing this to these early Christians who are trying to figure out how do we live this out. And he is going to take the majority of chapter 3 
to talk about the power that these early Christians had and the power that you and I still have today. He's going to challenge us and tell us you and I hold an incredible potential for destruction and an incredible potential for good and for the power of God all within our lives. And if we call ourselves believers, we better be really sure that we're using this power that we have been given correctly. He's going to remind us that as believers, we have a great responsibility to use what God has given us, including this power that we're going to talk about today. We can use it for good or we can use it to destroy. All through James, he's been challenging us to take a long, hard look at ourselves, saying, if you call yourself a Christian, then how are you living? And today, he's going to open it up even a little bit deeper and say, I really want you to take a deep look inside at how you are living your life. He's going to challenge us today about our tongue. Our tongue is, you know, it's, it's not that impressive. It's certainly not anything visually to look at. But James says it's extremely powerful. It's only about three inches long. Weighs a whopping two ounces approximately. It's a very small part of our body, yet it has incredible power to destroy or to build up. What we say to others, what we say to ourselves, James is saying, this matters a whole lot. And as believers, we really have to take a hard look at ourselves. So I want to join James in saying this. If you're a believer here today, I want you to really put pause on your life and say, let me take stock in my words. Let me take stock in how I'm using this power that God has given me. If you're not a believer here today, and for whatever reason you ended up here at Rock Hills Church, somebody invited you or you're trying to figure this whole faith thing out, you're going to find truth in this as well. Because the truths that we find here in the Bible apply to everybody, whether they're a believer or not. But James is saying, if you are a believer, you're held responsible for those words that you use. So this is going to apply to everyone today. How we choose to utilize this incredible power in many ways is going to determine the quality and the course of your life. And that's what this whole series is about, me in five years. I mean, you guys understand, we're not really talking about where you're going to be in 2024. But what we are saying is that as you move forward in your life and where you will be in five years... We pray that it's where God has designed you to be, where God wants you to be. And James is going to tell us, for you to end up in that place, your words better be speaking the right thing. Because what we say will determine, in many ways, the quality and the course that our life is going to take. Words. All I have to do is start talking about this topic. And I could just pause here. It wouldn't even take more than 20 seconds. Every single one of you can go back to a scar that you carry around because of words that were said to you. By somebody you love, by somebody who had influence over your life. Every single one of us 
carry scars because somebody, whether they intended to or not, used this power that we hold in a reckless manner. And it left wounds within us. Maybe sometimes it's what we said. Maybe sometimes it's what we didn't say when we had the opportunity to say something important. These words sometimes, if you're like me, they can echo in your head at times. Things I thought, I'm done with that. I've put it in the past. I've forgiven. And then all of a sudden, it comes back up again. And those words ring in your mind. And isn't it crazy how you could get a hundred compliments today and you'd feel pretty good about yourself, but one person could come with those sharp words and it could ruin your entire day. Words are extremely powerful and they're extremely valuable. Parents especially, I want you to, to listen today. Dads especially, your words carry so much weight. I don't want to leave grandparents out as well. So important and valuable in our lives. Students, what you say to your parents, what you say to your friends can be extremely powerful. For some of us, it's a painful memory that we received. For some of us, it's a regretful moment when we spoke things that we shouldn't have spoken. Those words can shape us. They can put limits on our life because we don't believe we can do what we think we should be doing because of the words that have been spoken. We see the damage of words in many ways. And James is telling us, don't underestimate how important this lesson is to learn. James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So this first verse falls on me right here, because all of us have a responsibility with the words that he used. But he says, if you're going to get up here with a microphone and you're going to have the audacity to be able to speak for God, you really better be sure that you're guarding the words that you speak. But none of you are off the hook. He goes on in verse 2. He says, indeed, we all, all includes all of us, right? We all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And we could also control ourselves in every other way. So none of us are off the hook, and none of us are beyond making errors when it comes to our words. We all make mistakes. The truth is, sometimes the worst just comes out of us. We are much like sponges. Whatever is on the inside of us, when life squeezes, that's what is going to come out. As a matter of fact, he's echoing Jesus here in many ways. In uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus says, What is in your heart overflows out of your mouths, right? What's inside is going to come out in our lives. Proverbs also echoes this and says that your words carry the power of life and death. Again, nuclear power right here. Of course, he uses the tongue as an illustration, right? representing the words that we say. But to apply to our culture today, I don't want to limit just to what you speak, which is powerful, but also what you're saying, whether you're saying it in today's culture 
You're typing it out. What we say with our thumbs via telephone or what we type on our computer and social media. In so many ways, we need to look at the things that we are saying within our lives. I mean, it's just simply consonants and vowels, right? Stringed together in the forms of sounds. But what James is saying here is it's so much more than that. What we are saying truly holds a lot of power. And he's saying, I don't want you to underestimate the spiritual implications of what comes out of your mouth. And a lot of times we can think that's not that big of a deal. It's about my heart, right? And again, remember, Jesus tied together the heart and the mouth. What's in your heart comes out of your mouth. James is saying what's coming out of your mouth is the evidence of what's going on within us. And so he's speaking to a group of believers who've all said their lives have been changed. And James is saying, okay, now let that evidence come out of our mouths. I don't know who invented the old nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me, right? I think that one needs a video review from the refs because it it doesn't pass muster. It's not true. The things that come out of our mouths truly can't hurt and can destroy. James is going to go on to illustrate this in his first century setting here. He says this, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. All right, so growing up, I got to be around horses a little bit, and it was always amazing to me. You put the headgear on, you can't see the bit in the mouth, but you can see the metal pieces right there uh, where it is at, and this is not a horse that I grew up with, but a picture I found on the internet. But it's amazing to me that through this one little mouthpiece, you can control that horse and you can send it in the direction that it's going to go. And he goes on and compares it to a ship, Large ships, and down at the bottom, down there, you can see that tiny rudder, at least tiny in proportion to the ship, right? And that rudder is going to determine where that ship is going to go, the direction that it is going to take. So small and seemingly insignificant, but it determines the destination. Small part, big influence. Small part, big influence. That's what James is nailing home with us here. Very small part plays a huge role in determining the quality and the course that your life is going to take. A bit, a rudder. They're disproportionate, right? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense how that could direct something so huge and so powerful Yet it does. They have power over the direction that the horse and the ship will take. We want your life to be where God has designed for it to be. Strong marriages, successful business, stay out of prison, you know, whatever it is that God has ahead for you, we want you to be exactly where God wants you to be. And James is arguing with us the point here that in order for you to get there, You've got to get your tongue, your words under control because this is the rudder of your ship. 
This, this is the bit for your horse to get it pointed in the right direction. Your words have the potential to determine the direction of your life. Your words direct. Your words are going to point you in the right direction. You could even say this. As your words go, so go your life. Now, I'm not saying we just speak everything into existence. I think it's bigger and grander than that. But James is saying we have to be in control of this because this mouth is pointing us in the direction that we are going to go. It's interesting. I read that the tongue is just made up of eight muscles and they hardly ever tire. Our other muscles get tired really easy, right? But your tongue, it can just go on and on and on and on. And I just saw somebody elbow the person next to them signifying, yeah, never tires. This one right here. Uh, Also read, it's interesting, that a doctor can assess some of your health simply by looking at the condition of your tongue. To which James might say, yeah, that's exactly right. If I could listen to the words that you speak over the next week, I could make an assessment about what direction your life is headed in. What are the words coming out of our mouths? He says, you want some examples? Okay, I'll give you some examples. He's already talked about the rudder and the bit. He's going to go on in verse 5 to say, in the same way, uh, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. I got to bring a lighter today. Right there. Just a tiny little flame. I already did notify the firefighter that we have in the room, so don't worry about anything. This tiny little lighter right here, that's not much of anything, right? You can just blow it out. Light it it back up. Oh, you can't do it the first time either, so don't worry. There you go. This tiny little lighter. Let's say we're going to get away for the weekend and go camping in a wonderful, beautiful national forest, right? We want to set a campfire, have some s'mores. Maybe we get a little bit careless and we could end up with something like this next picture. Honestly, I hesitated to even pull that picture because this is not just a digital image. These are California forest fires that literally destroyed people's lives because somebody in the forest got careless with a little bitty lighter, maybe just even a cigarette that they tossed out, destroyed thousands of homes, killed people, ruined lives all around, such immense damage. He's illustrating the point here that your tongue has an endless potential for evil. He goes on to, to be so bold to say this in, in verse 6. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is like a flame of fire. There we go. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is is set on fire by hell itself, right? I mean, he gets down to it right here. He's saying your tongue has unlimited potential 
for evil. Now remember, he's talking to Christ followers. He's talking to people who are following passionately after Jesus, but he's telling them the words you say have the potential to unleash hell. The enemy's plans, everything that Satan wants to do can come right out of your mouth, can come out of my mouth. Think about it. Demoralizing other people, betraying other people, divorce, murder, even wars have been started simply by the words that we exchange with one another. I remember when I was in the eighth grade, I was in science class, and uh, two of my classmates started talking back and forth about whose dog was tougher than the other guy's dog. And things escalated really, really quickly. And within a minute or two, there was blood and fists flying, and it got really, really ugly, where, you know, principals and coaches and everybody are rushing in and trying to pull these two apart. And the ironic thing is, neither of these guys even had a dog. (laughs) It was simply the words that were exchanged that all of a sudden triggered us, right? That's the word we use today, triggered. Somebody says something and it triggers me. The words that come out of our mouths, we have a huge responsibility to control. The words that we use have the potential to bring great devastation and destruction. Words destroy. And the sad truth is, some of you here today can testify to this because you've lived through it. And some of us here today have been the destroyers. Some of us, if we're honest, we've scorched the people that we love the most with our words. Some of us have left the most important things in our lives in a pile of ash with our words. Maybe it's our kids, our spouses, our friends, jobs, whether it's sarcasm or stubbornness, sharp comments, anger, or just having to get the last word in, we burn things to the ground. Ah, oh, but I was just being honest, okay? Right? Just being honest. Or uh, just saying, man. I'm just saying I got to tell you this, right? Can't you take a joke? Come on. I'm just joking. Just laugh. Loosen up. Sorry, I was drunk. No responsibility for what comes out of my mouth when I'm drunk. Right? I mean, we can put whatever excuses on it we want, but those words that come out of our mouths can destroy those around us. And the hard truth is, if we were to go on that camping trip, cook some s'mores, spark goes flying out, we end up with that California forest fire. I'm still responsible for the fire that I started. Whether I meant for it to start a fire or not, whether I was just having fun or not, we were just goofing around. I'm responsible for the fires that I start. James is going to continue in verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. 
It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth, I can stand up here and give you the praises of God, and then I can turn around and curse the very people who are made in the image of God just because they bug me or they're different than me the words that come out of my mouth. I mean, think about it. I could literally ruin my entire career, what I've been doing for decades, right here in the next two minutes, simply with the words that come out of my mouth. Some of you are thinking, do it, do it, do it. I'm not going to do it. But I could, right? Next week, the elders would come up here on stage and say, you guys remember Adam? You all remember what he said. He's no longer with us, and he won't be back. Uh, we'll be covering the, the duties from, for a while, right? I mean, I could literally, with my words, destroy everything that I've worked for, just simply with the words that come out of my mouth. Verse 10 through 12 says this, And so blessing and cursing pour out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble up with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives and a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. We can be guilty of this, right? I mean, honestly, if I could listen to you in your car when you drive by yourself, right? We could probably hear some of that. It's amazing, you know, when we shut the door, how we think we're in our own little world right there. But James is saying, we have a serious problem. And it's something that we just kind of flippantly pass by. But James is saying, you cannot overlook this. You cannot look the weight, overlook the weight and importance of this matter. And he's saying, as a believer, if you're saying, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me, then it should be Christ's words that come out of me, right? He's saying you can't have the old you and the new you coming out of the same mouths. He said we have to guard against that. So some practical application here for you, because here's the funny thing. James gets all serious about this and says this is really important, and then he changes subjects. He goes on and talks about wisdom. And so we kind of got to know, well, how, how do we do that, right? So I'm going to give you some practical application, and then we're going to pick back up in that. Uh, what, I, what I'm trying to do is give you all a filter here today, right? If you, if you need a new filter uh, to put in your mouth, here, here it is, all right? I want to encourage you just to do this. Pause, ponder, pray. Pause, ponder, pray. Pause. If we rewind back to... James chapter 1, he gave us this great verse. Understand, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. So when you feel that trigger, you feel like making that sharp, snide comment, press pause, Real quick, be quick to listen, slow to speak, then ponder. Philippians 4.8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are worthy of praise. So put a pause on it. Think about it. Is this honoring God? Is my flesh right now wanting to come out or am I allowing my spirit to speak? And I want to I give you a little acronym here to help you with this. It's this. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? So let that be our ponder. Thinking through those things before we let them come out of our mouths. And the third thing is here in our filter. Let's pray. Psalm 19 and 14 says this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This was David's prayer. God, let my words be pleasing to you because they're coming out of my heart, right? So let my heart and my words be pleasing to you. Now, just as our words, as we've talked about, have the power to direct, they also have potential to destroy, right? Like the little boy, that nuclear power to be able to destroy, they also hold, as we see all through Scripture, great potential to be able to delight God, to awaken the purposes of God within ourselves and in those around us. Uh, There's power in our words. We go through Scripture after Scripture after Scripture about the power of our words. It's that nuclear power that instead of destroying is now bringing light and life and hope. So your words also delight Your words bring delight to God and delight to those who we speak them to when we speak the things of God. Just as they can leave scars, they can also make a huge difference in the lives of other people. You probably all have people in your lives. Al Hasler is one of these guys for me that's just always encouraging me and encouraging me. And it builds me up. Let's be those kind of people to the other people around us. Who is it this week that you could just simply encourage? Maybe it's just saying thank you. Sometimes that phrase can mean so much. Sometimes it's just saying, hey, would you forgive me? Using those words that God has given us can make a huge difference. I remember uh, my father's words. My, my dad was a man of few words, but the words he did use were, were powerful and Towards the end of his life, uh, when he was on hospice care, I remember one Sunday morning I was getting ready for church, and he called me, and uh, he just spoke and encouraged me and talked about uh, the the ministry that I was going into and how God was going to use it to make a difference in people's lives. I can still hear it in my head, right? Just as our words can destroy, your words can make all the difference in somebody's life around you saying I'm proud of you, saying I'm sorry, saying I love you, saying I believe in you. Never underestimate the power of your words to make the difference in somebody's life. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful, building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. Let what comes out of your mouth be helpful. Let it build other people up according to what they need. 
so that it might benefit them. I want to end today with just a little bit of a dare, a challenge, because I feel like that's what James has been doing through this entire book as he's talking to these first century believers. He's saying, you, you follow Christ, I dare you to try to live it out in this way. So as we conclude today, I want to give you homework. I want you to see what will happen in your life. Just this week, I want you to guard against anything that's not of God coming out of your mouth. And I want you to find every way that you can to speak to and encourage others to build them up. You might say, I don't even know where to begin with that. It might begin with you. Because you might not even see it in yourself. I don't want you to estimate, underestimate the power of you speaking God's word even to yourself. Uh, we've got a huge stack of these sheets out at the Connecting Center in the lobby. It's who I am in Christ. It's probably about 30 scriptures of who I am in Christ. I want to challenge you to pick one of these up. And I, want you, I don't want you just to read it. I want to challenge you to find a place where you can say it. Maybe you're alone in your bathroom, whatever it is. I am the salt of the earth, Matthew 5, 13. I am the light of the world. I am a child of God. I am part of the true vine, a channel of Christ's life. I am a friend of God. I am chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit and on and on. Maybe you're speaking these things to yourself Maybe you're speaking them to someone else. But I want you to find a way where you can speak the truth of God this week. See what it does in your own heart. See what it does for your kids, for your family, for your co-workers. If we let the right things come out of our mouths. Confession is kind of a churchy word that probably has a lot of religious context Uh, to many of you that you might associate it with. Confession, very simply, is just agreeing with God. So sometimes, yes, it's, God, I blew it today. I said things that I shouldn't have said. Would you forgive me? I'm agreeing with God that I didn't use my words correctly. Confession is also, I am a son of God. I am one in Christ because I am speaking in agreement with God. This week, would you confess the right things in your life, over your life, over those around us? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you challenge us in every area of our lives to help us to become more like you. Lord, my prayer is, as it says in John 3.30, that we would decrease so that you might increase. Father, my prayer is, as it says in Colossians 4, 6, that our conversation would be gracious and attractive so that we would have the right response to everyone. Lord, I thank you that you never give up on us. Lord, as it said in verse 2, we have all fallen short on this. We've all made mistakes. Lord, help our words to heal Help our words to help. Help our words never to hurt and wound others. Lord, today, this week and today, make us conscious of the words that we, we use and we say and we type and we send out. 
Lord, we thank you that you sent Jesus for us, that we could be yours, that we could be forgiven and made right. Would you take just a moment? We're going to take communion here as we close the service, but I want to encourage you. Would you invite God to not only help you control your tongue, but to be in full control of your life? And if you need to begin your walk with Christ by simply surrendering your life to Him, I encourage you to do that as well. We'll pray together here in just a moment. again, we thank you for Jesus, for sending him. Today, Father, we're going to choose to remember the sacrifice that was given for our lives. Lord, that we could walk in the new covenant, the new promise that you have for each one of us. Be your sons and daughters. Father, today we're going to pause and